Welcome to the podcast for Real Church. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at East Coweta High School in Sharpsburg. We invite you to join us for our energetic and passionate worship services. Check us out at realchurchcoweta.com or search for us on Facebook at Real Church Coweta. We hope you enjoy this week's message. You guys doing good today? Good. Hey, listen, we're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. If you guys want to go ahead and get your Bibles out and turn there, if you have a wireless device, you can go ahead and use that as well. Ephesians chapter 4 is the text that we're going to be looking at today. Ephesians chapter 4. So, how was y'all's, uh, how was y'all's time off? Did you, guys, did you guys miss us? You know, we didn't have services last week because you didn't want to be here and I didn't want to be here. So neither one of us are here. Um, Ed, I'm glad to see that you got a full weekend off and didn't show up just yourself like you did last time over spring break. Uh, Ed sent me a text trying to be funny. He was funny. Um, did you guys enjoy your, your, uh, your break? Did you guys enjoy your uh, holiday weekend? Did anybody, anybody go to the beach? Anybody go to the beach? Anybody? All right. Everybody else is poor and broke, aren't we? Let's be honest. Yeah, y'all did a staycation again? I said, yeah, I know, right. We went to Nashville. We went to Nashville, and uh, Nashville's changed a lot uh, since I went downtown last time. There was about 9,000 bars and about 15,000 people playing music. And we just were too old, so we got in at about 10 o'clock. So that's what we did. That's what Wendy and I did. So, hey, listen, let's look at Ephesians chapter 4. We've been talking about more and having more, and that God, even in the book of Ephesians, tells us, hey, listen, we have more. You, you, you have more than maybe you think, and God wants more for you than you realize. And so we've been going through a series called More, and I'm going to read from Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 17. It says this. It says, with the Lord's authority, I say this. Live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. I want to stop there. It says, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are what? They are hopelessly confused. Okay, I don't want you to miss that because he's getting ready to say some more things in the text that really, really we need to hear. Okay, We need to hear some things coming up. The Gentiles, those people, those people that are far away from God, is what he's saying. Don't, don't do what they do because they're hopelessly confused. And then he goes and says, their minds are what? They're full of darkness. They wonder from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. It says this, it says, they have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasures and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. All right? And then it says this, but, but that isn't what you, and what is that word it says? Learned. It says that's not what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus, you have what? You have learned the truth that comes from him. So it says this, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. Who's going to do that? It says the Spirit will renew your thoughts and attitudes. And it says, and we've heard this, put on your new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. The text says this, it says, don't be like those people that are ignorant of what God is trying to do. 
because you know that you have learned a different way. And you learned this because Holy Spirit taught you this. And we're going to see how he taught us in a second. But Holy Spirit taught you this. You learned this. You learned not to be that way. You learned not to be corrupt. You learned not to be that way. And it was all done because Holy Spirit changed not only your mind, but he also changed your attitude. He changed that. But here's the problem. A lot of us have a resource that we never use. A lot of us want to connect with God in a deeper way. The reason you're here this morning is because you chose to connect with God in a deeper way. That's why you're here. You got up this morning instead of going to the lake, because we all know it's going to rain this afternoon. You got up this morning instead of going to the lake, all right, instead of going on the motorcycle ride, instead of cruising around in the car, instead of going to have a fantastic breakfast, all right, at Cracker Barrel, you got up and you got dressed and you came here to sit in hard chairs, let's be honest, all right, hard chairs, hard chairs in a cafeteria. You got up to do that. So you must want to connect with God. But the majority of us have a tool that we never use to connect with God. You guys know what the tool is? You guys know what the tool is we're going to talk about today? You guys know how he taught them? It's this. It's the scriptures. You guys know what we do most of the time? We kind of, you know, when I was in school, we had to memorize things. You guys ever done that? You have to memorize things. We had to memorize portions of the Constitution. Okay, let me tell you guys something. If you're attention deficit, memorization is difficult. All right, it's difficult. The memorization is not the hard part. It's the reciting. Because as you're starting to recite something, you start reciting it, and all of a sudden a fly will fly by, and you'll go, and then you'll get it right off on here, and then you'll start looking at that. Oh, I've got to get back to here. It's difficult. A lot of us had to do that. But here's the sad case. The majority of us sitting here, we don't read the text. If you're being honest, we don't read the text. You know what most of us do with, with the Word of God? Here's what most of us do. I think I got a video. Let's show. Here's what most of us do with the Word of God right here. This is how we act. Hi, Andy. Hi, Barney. Look at that, would you? What's that? My old history book. The one I used way back in the eighth grade. I'll be dog. <laughs> And with all this talk with Opie about how good he's doing in school and all, I got to thinking about my own school and then I dug that up. <laughs> my old history book. Bernard P. Fife. This book belongs to Bernard P. Fife. If lost or stolen, please return to Bernard P. Fife. Signed, Bernard P. Fife. <laughs> Your book? Yeah. Look at the next page. The History of the United States of America by Bernard P. Fife. <laughs> well, remember how we used to paste our own names over the authors? <laughs> oh, yeah. Boy, you've had this a long time. Well, since the eighth grade. Huh. And you want to know something? There's things right there in that book that I learned that I still remember to this day. Oh, come on. To this day. It's amazing how that stuff stays with you. Once you learn something, it never leaves you. It stays locked up tight right in the old loop. <laughs> Does, huh? Sure. Here, let me show you. Constitution of the United States. Now, we had to memorize the preamble of that. Mm. I still remember it. You do? Yeah. Here, I'll show you. Hold the book on me. Okay. 
<clears throat> All right, go ahead. Constitution of the United States. Give me the first word and I'll know the rest. Okay, we. We. We? We. Are you sure? I'm looking right at you. We. We! The. The. We the. We the. We the people. We the people. We the people. We the people. We the people of the United <coughs> Flag? Breathe. Mm. Wind. Mm. Wait. Mm. Start! States! States! <laughs> we the people of the United States In order. In order. To form a to form a more perfect perfect you. you to form a more perfect you. <laughs> union. In order to form a more perfect union. Yes. S ta ta Establish. Establish. Establish just Ensure domestic tranquility. Provide for the common defense. Promote the general welfare. And secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity to ordain and establish this constitution for the United States of America. You want to run through that again, or do you think you got it? I got it. You learn something, you learn it. So a lot of us, what we do is, is we use the text like that. It's funny when you read that because... A lot of us say we know, you know, it's really funny. This is hilarious. I, I saw this stat the other day. Um, a lot of people think that God, the text, the Bible says that, this is funny, that, that God helps those who help themselves. You know, a lot of, do you know that over 80% of Christians surveyed said that that was a Bible text? And you're sitting there going, is it? It's not. <laughs> it's not. It's not in the Bible. It's not at all. It's not at all. A lot of us as Christians are going around a lot like Barney Fife is what we're doing. We really are. We're going around like Barney Fife. Let me give you some stats, you guys. 77% of Americans think that we're headed down the wrong moral path. 77% of Americans think we're headed down the wrong moral path. The average household has four Bibles in it. The average household has four Bibles. Only 20% of Christians say that they read their Bible every day. Only 20% say that they read it every day. Get this, 50%, 57% of Christians, 57% of Christians read their Bible four times or less per year. 
All right, are you with me? Four times or less per year. Only 3%, only 3%, listen up teenagers, only 3% of teenage Christians. Teenagers that have come, joined a church or in a youth group, baptized, I'm talking about heaven bound, 3% read their Bible daily. Only 3% read their Bible daily. Why? Why is that? Why is that the case? Well, can I tell you why it's the case? Because it's not a priority. It's not a priority at all. It's not a priority until there's a crisis. You guys believe that? It's true. It's not a priority unless there is, until there is a crisis. I can't tell you how many people that I've talked to. I can't tell you how many people that when they're in crisis have made some pretty huge, huge commitments, all right? When they're in crisis, they've said some things that are pretty, pretty huge, all right? But the problem is, is that it only happens when they're in dire need. And once the dire need leaves, once it's alleviated, what happens is they go right back into their old patterns. They go right back into their old ways of living. They go right back into their old ways of thinking. They go right back into their old ways of behaving. And that's what happens with the majority of people who are Christians and it's amazing because we want, to every, we want everyone to know that this word that we have gives life, yet we don't have the life that it gives, not because it's not available, but because we don't take the opportunity to know what it says. I want you to hear this today. I'm not telling you to legally get up every morning and read your Bible because you have to in order to be a good person. I'm telling you this. You're not ever going to be able to connect with God the way God wants to connect with you if you don't know what the text says. If you don't study and you don't read the scriptures, you will never connect with God the way you need to. One of the things, and I know I'll get in trouble for this because I'll sound like a fuddy-duddy, but one of the things that hampers us so much is our technology. Our technology, if we took a snapshot of you guys 20 years ago, if we could take all you back 20 years, what you guys would all have right now in your hand is you would have your Bible. You would have your actual Bible. You wouldn't have a cell phone or an iPad. There's nothing wrong with your cell phone or your iPad. I want, did everybody hear that? There's nothing wrong with your cell phone or your iPad. As a matter of fact, I encourage you to check in here. I encourage you to use the Bible apps. I, there's fantastic apps that are incredible, great resources. But I'll tell you this, for me, for myself, there's nothing better than your own Bible sitting at your own desk or in your own chair or sitting there with you as we study the Word of God. There's also nothing wrong with bringing a notebook, by the way, either to write things down with. Why do I say that? Let me tell you why I say that. This is my dad's Bible. I brought my dad's Bible today. I leave this Bible sitting up. My wife and I gave my dad this Bible about three years before he died. Okay? Still, it has the box and everything. I have the box and everything with it. This is my dad's Bible. This Bible sits in my office so I can see it. Uh, it kind of helps me remind me of my dad. It's got his name on it. It's really nice. It says Bobby L. Williams. Okay, I got my mom one too. We got my mom and dad one. It was one of those extra Christmas gifts that you just kind of get people. And so we got that. Can I tell you something about this Bible though? I have no idea what my dad thought spiritually about anything as far as, I talked to him about it, but as far as looking at his Bible, I would never know anything, okay? It's got his name on the front. Why is that? Well, it's not worn because he never read it. 
He never read it, and there's no marks in it. There's nothing really going on here that tell me where he was spiritually. Can I tell you guys something? I don't want my kid to have the same situation. And so when Blake and Bailey, my daughter and my son, get mine, when I die, guess what? They're going to know. They're going to see it worn and tattered, and they're going to have notes, and they're going to know what Dad thought about Ephesians. All right, because in the verse I read you guys today, out by the side, you know what it says? It says, tough one. That's a tough one. Today's verse is a tough one. It's a tough one. I didn't write that today. I wrote that several years ago because I heard a sermon by someone at another church and I wrote, man, that is a tough one. My Bible's highlighted and underlined. Does that make me super spiritual? No, it doesn't. But I'll tell you this. I want to leave a heritage for my kids and I don't want them to say, hey, let me log into Apple and see what mom or dad thought about Jesus. All right. Are you with me on that? Do you have any idea the impact you could have on other people just by pulling out your own Bible and reading it? We don't do that. And so what we do is, is we go around and we have the same issues and the same problems that people that aren't saved have. And here's the issue. We're going to have the same problems that they have. How we react to those problems is going to be the issue. And we don't react the way God would want us to react because we don't know how God would want us to react because we're not connected with God because we don't read his word. It's the truth. I'm not being legalistic here. I just want to help you live a better life. I want to help you have more in your life than you have right now. And some of you say, well, I'm not a reader. Hey, I'm not a reader either. Okay. I'm not. I force myself to read. I force myself to study. Those are the things that I do. If you want to have more in your life, at some point, you've got to connect with God. And if you want to connect with God on a deeper level, you really, really, really need to open up your Bible and you need to read it. A lot of people don't know where to start reading their scriptures. They're like, I just don't know where to start. You know, sometimes I don't either. I can tell you what not to do. Don't go to Genesis chapter one and read through because you're going to get to numbers and you're going to fall dead out. And that's as far as you're going to get. About numbers three is where you're going to get at. And then you're going to fall out and that's going to be about it. Don't do that. You know, I talked about technology and apps. There's a lot of great apps on there that'll give you a daily devotion every single day. It'll send you to your inbox. Hey, listen, God has set up things so much that he's basically, when, when my son was little, he used to sit in a high chair and he would, he would, we would spoon feed him. And he would almost take the doggone spoon out of your hand trying to eat it. You know what I'm saying? You guys, I know your kids did that too. That's what, listen, God's got the technology set up for you. You can have your Bible there, have an app that comes right in. It'll send it right to your, it does everything but read it for you. And some of them will even do that. We stand with no excuse. How can we ever have an impact on other people's lives if we won't have an impact on our own? If we won't let God have an impact on our own? Can I tell you guys this? Something incredible happens when God's Word connects with Holy Spirit. Can I tell you what happens? Change occurs in our lives. When, when God's Word connects with Holy Spirit, change happens in our lives. In the Scripture, the Holy Spirit is called this. He's called a counselor. He's called a guide. He's called a comforter. He's called strength. That's what he's called in the scriptures. Back to the text we read. Can I tell you how, we, how they learned from Holy Spirit? Can I tell you how they learned from Holy Spirit? Can I tell you how they learned the things as not to act like the Gentiles do? Can I tell you how they did it? They did it because they read the Word of God. And when the Word of God connects with Holy Spirit, if you're saved, you have Holy Spirit living in you. When the Word of God connects with Holy Spirit, 
change begins to occur in your life. There's only one problem. The Word of God has to connect with Holy Spirit. Are you with me? It has to connect. And if it's not connecting, here's what you're doing. You're coming to me or you're going to another Christian friend and you're asking for advice. And there's nothing wrong with that. But if you come to me for advice, I'm going to direct you hopefully right back to the text of Scripture. Because that where Jesus said he is the truth and the life, and he is also called the word. And in John chapter one, it says that he was the word and the word was God and the word was with God. And he was God and he was there in the beginning. It was his spoken word. He's talking about this right here. That's what he was. And it says, even Jesus said, it gives life. It shows you the way. But a lot of us are aimlessly walking around because we don't take the time to connect with God on a deeper level by reading the text of the Scripture. And so what you do is, is you go from crisis to crisis to crisis to crisis. That's what you do. And that's how you live your life. It's not that you're not going to have crisis. A great friend of mine always says this. He says, you're either, coming, you're either going, coming, going into a crisis you're in the middle of a crisis or you're going out of a crisis. And that pretty much happens all the time. And that's the truth. How you deal with that, does it shake you to your core? Does it throw you off? Does it do those things? How you deal with that? You may be sitting around wondering, man, I don't know why I can't change. I don't know why I can't. Listen, I can do sermons all day long up here for you. I can. You can come every Sunday and hear a great sermon and pat me on the back on the way out. But the truth of the matter is, unless you connect with God yourself, you will not change. Are you hearing me? You will not change. There will be no change. We'll be able to see in a few four, five, six, eight, ten months We'll be able to see if some of our students here who are going to college, we'll be able to see if they connected with God. We'll be able to see that. We'll be able to see it. We'll know. We'll know if they had a deep connection with God. People always used to ask me when I did student ministry, how do you measure success, man? You've got like 60 or 70 kids. I said, I don't measure success by numbers. I measure success when I'm, they're 25, 26, 27, and 28 years old. That's how I measure success. I measure success when they hit that first wave of liberalism and that first wave of, 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 not, you know, of atheism coming at you in college. I measure success if they can, if they can deal with that. That's how I measure success. Not, not by how many numbers I have or how many we take to camp. I don't measure by that. I measure by other means when they're older. I measure when I go to their weddings, okay, when they have their children. And where are they at? Are they still committed to God or are they just floundering out somewhere? See, that's what we want, a commitment. And that commitment doesn't start with you thinking through things. It starts with you connecting with God and connecting in his word. The scripture says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, it says that God's word cuts between soul and spirit. It says God's word cuts between soul and between spirit. Now, we've talked about this before, but you know we're made up of three things. We're made up of a body, a soul, and a spirit, okay? And I'm not getting all mystical on you. I'm just telling you reality and facts. We're made up of a body, soul, and spirit. That body is your flesh, man. It's like, hey, feed me, feed me, feed me. I want, I want, I want. That soul, though, that soul is your personality, all right? That's where your thoughts are. That's where you talk to yourself. That's where those feelings are, all right? And then you got the spirit over here. If we're not feeding that spirit, if we're not feeding that spirit and letting that spirit control that soul, control that body, what ends up happening is, is that body and soul begins to connect, 
And we never see, we never see that spiritual side come out of us. And so we go through and we jump through hoops every day. And that's kind of what happens. I want to tell you a story. And I've told, I think I've told you this story before, but this story is so good, I'm going to tell you again. We, when Wendy and I were in Tulsa, there was a girl who had anorexia. She was a Christian girl. She came from a home in Dallas, Texas. She had anorexia. The girl was literally about 85 pounds, okay? She had been in the hospital and out of the hospital, had tubes in her nose. She had been in the hospital and out of the hospital. And this, this was the best treatment center in America. Wendy and I, 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 I she volunteered. I worked there at this treatment center that dealt with anorexic people. Just to give you a head, like, and it, this came out so I can tell you this now, but Paul Abdul was one of the ones that went to this center. Stars came to this center. They had a VIP wing, okay, for people with needing treatment. She went to this center. It was the best in the world. It was the best in the world. I mean, it was incredible. Guy had written all kinds of books on the subject and everything. He could do nothing for this girl. This girl came in at about 105 pounds. She was 5'10". She came in at about 105 pounds, actually. She went all the way down to about 85 pounds, and she was literally on her deathbed. She was literally on her deathbed. Her mother and father, very successful people in Dallas, Texas, came up. They got her and took her home to die. I'm telling you the truth. They took her home to die. But her grandmother and her grandfather came over and said, we want her to live with us. We want her to live with us. The parents were at their wits' end. They said, fine. This girl was 18 years old. Fine. She can live with you guys. The expectation was was that she would go over, she would live with them, she would pass away, and anorexia would have taken her life. But that's not what happened. Because see, what happened was, was she walked into the house, and on every wall of every room were note cards. And the note cards were scriptures all over the walls, in the bathrooms, in the kitchen, in the dining area. There were note cards all over the walls. There were scriptures. And the grandmother would walk around. And I get emotional every time I talk about this. The grandmother would walk around and quote these scriptures to this girl day after day after day. Six months later, six months later, six months, she came back to Tulsa for a checkup. I was sitting in the lobby waiting on Wendy to come out. She walks out and looks at me and says, hey, Barry, how are you? I said, I'm doing fine. How are you doing? And, you know, as a pastor and stuff, you, you, you do this. Sorry, y'all. But sometimes people say hi to you, and you don't know who the heck they are. <laughs> and so I was like, I'm doing great. And in my mind, I'm thinking, who the heck are you? Um, well, she said, you don't recognize me, do you? I said, no. No, I don't know who you are. I'm sorry. I, I apologize for that. I'm sure I should. And she started crying. And I was like, well, I upset her. Um, I didn't think I was that important. Um, but I, she said, and she told me your name. And then I started crying. And I said, what in the world happened? And she told me the story. She was healed of anorexia. Why? Because God's word has the ability to heal us when we allow Holy Spirit when we allow Holy Spirit to connect with God's Word, powerful things happen. Listen, real change, it begins in the mind. 
It begins in our mind. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. I want to read that for you. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It says, it says don't copy the behavior and custom of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. By what? By changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you. Are you hearing that? Then you will know to God, know God's will for you, what is good and pleasing and perfect. It says, let God change the way you think. Let God change the way you think. And so, as we've talked about before, listen, the way you operate is this. You have a thought. That thought brings up an emotion. And that emotion brings about a behavior. Hear that. Thought to emotion, emotion to behavior. Psychology one-on-one here, you guys. It's free. I'll give it to you for free this time. Next time I'm going to charge you. But thought, emotion, behavior. What do you have to do? Well, in order to have true change, you have to change the way you think. You have to change the way you think about a situation. The scripture says this. It says, put on the mind of who? Of Christ. Put on the mind of Christ. That's what it says. How are we ever going to put on the mind of Christ? There's a story in the text, and I love it. It's one of my favorite stories. I could preach on it every Sunday, and it's the story of the prodigal son. And if you miss, you could miss this if you if you don't watch out. But in the prodigal son, he you know the prodigal son story is he goes to his dad and says, "Dad, I know you're not dead yet, but give me one third because my brother's getting two thirds. Give me one third. I'm going to take my inheritance and I'm going to head off." And so he does. His dad says, "Fine." He takes his inheritance, heads off, lives wild. All of a sudden, there's a famine that hits. He's all wild and doing all kinds of stuff. There's a famine that hits. And he can't find anywhere to eat and anything to do. And so he's sitting there slopping pigs, basically the most horrible thing you could do for a Hebrew. He's slopping these pigs. And then it says this. The story basically says, and he remembered, he thought, he thought about his dad. He thought that his father's Hired hands are eating better than he is. He thought. See, his behavior was all over the place. But then he remembered who he was. Are you with me? He remembered who he was. And what happened? Then he got up. Then he started walking back. That's what happens. It's what happens with us too. It's our thoughts. We have to think we have to, but here's the thing I want you to know, and this is my third point. You can't recall what you don't know. Are you with me? You can't recall what you don't know. You can't recall what you don't know. You can't recall it if you don't know it. Jesus would tempt it in the desert. It says he went through a temptation. And every time Satan would come and tempt him, he did it three times, he would come and he would say, hey man, this is what the word of God says. And he said, yeah, but it also says this. And then he went through something else. Hey, what about, oh, it also says this. What about the, oh, well, God's word says this. Jesus wasn't trying to defend himself. He was letting God's word defend him. And there's the same thing for you. And it'll do the same thing for me. A couple weeks ago, we had a graduation thing here, and we talked to our graduates. And one of the things I said is I kept saying, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. And it also says this in Joshua 1.8. Joshua 1.8, it says this. It says, don't let this depart from you. Don't let what depart from you? 
His word. His word. Don't let it depart from you. His word. Don't let it depart from you. You know, one of the things I like doing is this. I love listening to music. Streaming music is the best thing in the world to me. I can go on Spotify and I can, if you don't know what Spotify is, go get it today. It's amazing. I can go on there and I can listen to any kind of music. Any kind of music. No downloading. I can just stream it. I don't have to pay for it. I pay once a month. Everybody and their uncle's got an account on our, in our family and we go and listen to Spotify. And I can listen to any music. Man, I can go from listening to John Denver, don't judge me, to Train. I went to Train concert Friday night. Don't judge me there either. Um, it was good. It was really it was good people watching stuff. Uh, a few of our church members were at the train concert, but they didn't feel nice. They didn't stop and talk to us. They just walked on by. Leah, thanks so much, Leah and Rachel. Thanks y'all for saying hi to me. They gave me the party wave. Hey, we're not coming up there because you're a preacher and we don't want to be around you. Okay, great. But I love, listen, I love, I love, I love having music like that. But here's the problem. I got an issue. When you get halfway down Elders Mill Road, When you get halfway down Elders Mill Road, I'm driving along, man. You know, I'm almost heaven. West Virginia, Blue Ridge Mountain. I mean, I'm just, windows are down. There's cows walking by. It's like an epic thing, man. Me and John Denver, we're rocking out. And then it'll go, life is old there, older. And then on my phone, this thing starts sparkling. I hate that little circle. You know what it means? You have lost signal. You'd think that Verizon and its workers would get a better signal chance out at Elder's Mill. There's a million houses out there now. And I'm looking at it spinning, and I'm like, and then it comes on, and it's like, life is old. And it kills my mojo. Are you with me? It kills it. It kills it. But listen, a while back, Spotify came out with something really cool. They came out with the ability, if you're in a Wi-Fi area, there's a little button. If you have a little playlist, there's a little button, and it says download. And you can temporarily download that sucker. And so I've got playlists on my phone that are downloaded. And so then when I'm going out Edwards Mill Road, I'm rolling along. Never kills my mojo. I roll right on down the road. Why is that? Because it's downloaded. It's downloaded. I've got it. it here's the thing. It doesn't, need, it doesn't need any assistance from an outside source because it's there with me. I don't have to call Wendy and say, hey, can you help me with this song? I don't have to call my friend. I don't have to call all these people. You see, it's downloaded. Here's what I want you to know. We need to have God's Word constantly downloaded into us. If we want to connect with God, We don't want to be driving along and all of a sudden something bad happens or something occurs and all of a sudden we lose signal. All of a sudden 
we have no means whatsoever. We have nothing. And we drive aimlessly along, hoping that that signal will reconnect. But it never will. Oh, it may reconnect when you come back here to church, when you get back into the zone where you can get the signal here in church. Everyone always asks me, man, I just feel so good after I come to church. Well, I wonder why that is. Well, I tell you why it is. Because you've been starving for a week and God gave you some food. That's what it is. And I'm not talking about back there at the table. I'm talking about here. Your spirit's been starving for a week. You cannot recall what you don't know. It's not there. If I don't have that downloaded, I'm going to have to listen to John Denver another time. The same is true for you when it comes to God's Word. If you want a better connection with God's Word, I want to encourage you to do this. I want to encourage you to pull out your Bible, blow the dust off of it, go to Dollar General Store or Walmart or wherever you go and get you a dollar notebook. And begin the process of trying to understand and asking Holy Spirit to teach you and guide you about what God's Word is and how you can have a changed life because of it. That's what we need to do. Let's be people that connect with God. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your Word. I'm so thankful that your word is, is alive and it's well. I'm so thankful that you allow us to have your word. You know, God, up, up, until, up until a couple hundred years ago, they didn't even have your word. It wasn't even available. And Lord, now we have it in every type of font and text and spoken and unspoken. And, and we have it in colors and we have every variety known to man. And yet the same thing is true. And that is this. We do not. We do not. We do not use it. And our lives reflect that oftentimes. Let us be people who take your word seriously. And let us be people that depend on your word for the very life-giving that it does. Allow a Holy Spirit to connect with your word to teach us God. We don't need a theologian to teach us, God. We need you to teach us. And you'll do that. And we trust you in that. In Jesus' name, amen. One of the great things you see when you go on a mission trip is um, the ability to give a kid a Bible. I dealt with kids in Haiti who didn't have any Bibles at all. And we were able to give them a Bible you guys, you would have thought we gave them a million dollars. Because that's how valuable it is to them. My prayer for you is, is that it would be that valuable to you too. Let's stand up and let's worship. Thank you so much for listening to this message from Real Church Coweta. If you have any questions or if you'd like to contact us at Real Church, please go to our website at www.realchurchcoweta.com and you'll find our contact information under the contact tab. We would like to have you join us at 10 a.m. on Sundays at East Coweta High in Sharpsburg. Until next time, God bless you and take care.